Welcome back, high school hockey fans. It's another edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. I'm Mike Hammett, along with Del Scanlon and Bill Berg, Jr., and we have a guest tonight, Tony Menard. And, uh, Tony, thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your Sunday night and joining us. Yeah, well, thank you guys very much for having uh, me on, on the show. Very excited to talk to you guys. Uh, first, congratulations, uh, uh, Chippewa Falls Menominee's first trip to the state tournament. I keep catching myself. I keep trying to say first trip to Madison. Uh, I've been doing it for three days now. Uh, but no, first trip to the state tournament. Uh, how do the girls feel coming out of what is probably easily considered the most brutal sectional in the state? Uh, relieved, I think. Um, you know, and a lot of excitement. You know, going into the season, we knew it was going to be a tough, tough road to try to get to the state tournament. Um, and as the season progressed, just seeing how, you know, everyone was just taking turns beating up on each other in our section, in our conference. And uh, we knew that, you know, we might not get the seed that we necessarily wanted. But once we got into the tournament, uh, we knew that no matter what, we had a chance. And I think any of the top four teams in our section, uh, I don't think anybody was going to be surprised if they made it out of our section just because of how well everyone was playing all year. And it just it came down to who was going to be able to be consistent for about a week, week and a half. And. Um, you know, fortunate for us, that was us this year. And uh, it's our first time a as a program with Chippewa's Menominee uh, going to state. I know the Chai uh, McDonald co-op went back to, uh, or was at state in 07 and 08 um, and had a couple nice teams. But ever since we joined uh, a co-op with Menominee back in 2010, this is our first, first trip with them. So everyone's really excited. Uh, you know, it was a goal of ours at the beginning of the season uh, to get to this point. Um, and we're definitely happy to be here, uh, but we definitely want to make sure that, you know, Tuesday is not going to be, or Wednesday is not going to be our last game. And we want to make it to, you know, that state appearance, state championship appearance. I thought you made a good point there, Tony, when you said that the most consistent hockey for a week and a half, that's, that's a pretty good way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you trying to get a read on the season just by looking at scores across the state or just in the section or conference, it, it was tough. Cause you know, you go beat a team um, and then they turn around and then they lose to a team that you thought they were going to beat, or they beat a team that you thought they were going to lose to. And you're like, well, what's going on this year. And I think just with the roller coaster year that it's been with COVID-19 and, you know, the different protocols and, you know, trying to navigate through all that, um, you know, it just, people were going to have off days. Teams were going to have off days. And um, it really, once you got into the tournament, you had to find a way to be, be consistent. And, you know, that was just our message for, you know, going, leading up in, uh, into the playoffs. Now, Tony, I think you played the storm one time this year and it was mm -hmm. late December when you played them. Mm -hmm. um, how has your team changed since then? And I don't know what you've seen of, the mm -hmm. storm since then but uh how are things advanced for both teams you know for us i would like to say that we're playing a little bit better defensively um i know obviously we gave up four goals against this uh fusion uh, today but uh besides that you know being able to hold western wisconsin to um really one goal for the majority of the game and shut ellie bryce down who you know is arguably a one of the top senior forwards in the state uh, you know, we really were focusing on playing a good defensive style of a hockey game. Uh, and we were able to do that. Same thing against Hayward, uh, being able to get a shot out there. So right now we've been playing pretty good uh, hockey in our D zone and not giving up a lot of opportunities through the neutral zone and giving teams rushes. Uh, and we've been capitalizing on our shots. Uh, we necessarily haven't been getting the most shots on net, but uh, we've been taking advantage of the ones that we do get, uh, making sure we get people to the, you know, in front for those rebounds and just really playing a solid 51 minutes of hockey. Uh, this time of year uh, goes a long way. And uh, on top of it, to have good goaltending, um, you know, that it just helps you uh, feel confident, you know, for the whole game. And so, uh, you know, we're going to have to watch some film on Central or Central Wisconsin just because we haven't seen them since uh, late December. So they're obviously a different team. Uh, you know, things are, you know, they're coming off of, I think they had to be shut down for a couple of weeks due to COVID. So that was their first game back. So we're expecting to see a completely different team. Uh, we know that we're going to have to work really hard. Um, they're they're going to be a well-coached team, uh, and, and we're going to just have to find a way to, to, you know, capitalize on some opportunities and make sure that we limit our mistakes 
uh, as much as we can in that game. Yeah, the last time you played them, they had a 16-day layoff. Uh, they were mm-hmm. December 12th to December 28th without a game. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at you know film on another team, how much how much does your game strategy change from team to team when you're playing against them? Um, it honestly it depends on what the film looks like, and you know if we see you know a couple girls on their team that are really controlling their you know how that team's playing. You know, we're going to go into it and really try to find a way to uh, limit those players' opportunities. Uh, so, you know, that, for instance, like what we did against uh, um, Western Wisconsin, we really tried to have uh, our centers just shadow Ellie pretty much the whole game and understand that, you know, I think we you know, we wanted to try to win that game kind of almost on a four-on-four hockey basis and just take Ellie out of the picture. So, um, you know, it, it depends on the type of team we're playing, but... You know, obviously, you want to look at power play, penalty kill, uh, those type of situations, and see uh, if you can pick up on what they're trying to do and how you can defend it to the best of your your team's ability. That's something that I'm I'm often surprised you don't see more of in girls hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, given the state of girls hockey right now, it, it's better in Wisconsin than it's ever been. But there's generally mm-hmm. still the top teams still have like one or two really really dominant players. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Storm, last time they played the Fox City Stars, they lost 5-1. to one. Michaela Zillish had four goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time in the sectional final, now the Storm won 5-1. to one. Michaela Zillish had one goal on a power play. Uh, they managed mm-hmm. to shut her down, and that kind of shut down the whole the whole workings. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. surprised that that doesn't happen. You don't key off on those, those top players more often. Not necessarily you, mm-hmm. but just girls hockey right. in general. Oh, yeah. You see that with almost all the teams across the state. Uh, they're they're very heavy on two to three girls on the team uh, that you know are girls that are probably playing a lot of hockey, getting a lot of minutes. So if you can find a way to um, you know limit their ability to be effective uh, during the hockey game, you know that that's that's how your teams are going to be successful. And you know right now too, you see teams that at this point in the the game uh, in the playoffs, you have to be able to find a way to use all three. Uh, three four lines that, that you have uh, available um, you're just not gonna be able to get by running two lines and you're just not gonna have any any energy come the third period and uh, you know this year we've been able to utilize more of our depth than we have in years past which has made a huge difference and you know our girls are fresher in the third period uh, in crucial crucial points of the game where um, you know a lot of teams haven't have been able to have uh, have that luxury so far yeah, it doesn't seem to matter how much conditioning you do. It's really hard to get by with two lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just unless you're on a fast sheet of ice that's cold and, you know, you, you're used to playing there. Um, but outside of that, you, you got to find a way to develop your, your whole program and, um, you know, try to get as much playing time from uh, as many lines as you possibly can. And obviously you understand that given different uh, situations in the game really dictates how, how you you roll your lines out and whether you get last change or not. And um, so there, there's a chess game always going on between the coaches and the game. And, um, you know, you always got to hope that your girls are, are ready, no matter what uh, line they're out there against and hopefully uh, take advantage of any opportunities that they get. Well, I've got some breaking news for you. This, uh, this hasn't crossed the mm-hmm. WIA yet, but I just got a, an email from Everest youth hockey. Uh, saying that there had to be a schedule change on Wednesday because the Central Wisconsin Storm uh, state semifinal will be played on Wednesday at Greenheck uh, Fieldhouse in in DC Everest. So yeah, I think I just saw my athletic director was going to text me that too. So well, we know where we're playing at least. Yeah, you'll be playing on the uh, the Olympic size sheet at Greenheck Fieldhouse. Uh, Greenheck Fieldhouse, mm-hmm. uh, ice skate there twice a week. Soft ice, mm-hmm. uh, big sheet. That's that's mm-hmm. that's what it that one is. Tony. Tony, how does that big sheet favor you, or does it give you a disadvantage? Um, both. I can, you know, it's uh, you know, looking at the the sheet itself, obviously it's wider, um, and you know that that's probably going to be the biggest difference is just the amount of more ice that you have offensively. I think it probably it helps us because we have, you know, I like our lines and the depth that we have on offense this year. Uh, but defensively, you know, it changes kind of some angles up for the defenseman coming in uh, on rushes. It changes the, the angles for the goaltender. 
uh, in net. So, uh, you know, now that we know where we're playing, we can try to practice and, you know, get ready for that as the best that we can. And, you know, no matter what, you got to line up and, and play the team across from you. So, uh, you know, the, the ice rink, the, the sheet that we're playing on, um, that's out of our hands at this point. We're, we're happy to be at the state tournament and just got to find a way to, uh, you know, give it our, our best effort and, you know, figure out ways to, um, you know, strategize with the practices that we have the next couple of days to, to try to prepare for that. Um, you know, we've asked every coach we've had on this year about, you know, what they've had to do uh, dealing with, with COVID for this high school hockey mm-hmm. season. Obviously you're a co-op, uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, something we haven't really dealt with in that conversation. How does it, how does it work having to deal with multiple schools uh, when it comes to having players available to, to play for you? Yeah, no, it, um, you know, to start the season, you know, with our co-op being based or the, the host school being Chippewa Falls and, you know, Menominee and McDonald both were in school at the time when the season started and their winter sports were actually started the, the earliest that you could possibly do it. And Chippewa Falls hadn't started yet. So um, based off of us being the whole, Chippewa Falls being the whole school, it pushed our program back. Uh, I think we started December 7th. So from there, you know, we had planned to have a couple games in by that point. So, uh, you know, it, at the beginning of the year, I think it was more challenging once we got, you know, rolling, got everybody in the locker room, uh, things kind of started to feel a little bit more normal, but, uh, you know, we have the protocol where we try to limit the girls number of girls in the locker room at one time, you know, everybody's got their mask on. We're, we're doing the, you know, COVID screenings each and every day. Uh, and, you know, just trying to do the best, uh, you know, with our cleaning and, you know, keeping up on, um, you know, making sure the girls are healthy. If, if they have any type of symptom, we just say, Hey, just stay home until, you know, you're sure you you don't have, you know, COVID that way, you know, we're not putting the rest of the team in jeopardy and, you know, so far, you know, knock on wood, we haven't had a lot of issues, uh, at all. And we've been able to get majority of our schedule in with the, you know, couple snow days that we had that, uh, postponed some games. And, uh, I was watching, uh, I watched many sectional finals this last weekend, but in one of them, in the last couple minutes of the game, a player was, thrown off the ice twice on a face-off. Uh, he had to go mm. back to the bench, and another player came up mm-hmm. because his mask was down around his chin instead of over his mm. face. Um, how do you do impress on your team that when you line up, your stuff needs to be where it mm-hmm. needs to be, or the ref's going to throw you out? Because that was a one-goal game, and you know one mm-hmm. of the, this team's best players got thrown off the ice on consecutive face-offs. Mm-hmm. Well, we have the, uh, they're called game-on masks from CCM. And they just attach right to our, our helmets and our face masks. So when we're out on the ice, there's really no room for that to slide down. I know when the girls get back to the bench, they can kind of pull it down and get a drink of water and pull it back up. But outside of that, when, when they're on the ice, uh, we really don't have a lot of issues with that. Um, we have girls that got approved to have the, the, the bubble masks with uh, the vents covered up on the bottom. So... Uh, you know, we, we've gotten through, um, so far this season without having any real mask is, issues. The, the one issues we have seen a couple of times just with the new rules change is, you know, if there's a scrum in the corner and the puck's not moving for uh, a couple of seconds, they'll just blow it dead and, you know, get the girls away from each other and then just drop the puck. So outside of that, uh, for us, our, our games have been going pretty smooth with, without a lot of impact from, from the COVID aspect. Well, that's good to hear. You had enough of masks yet, Tony? Yeah, I mean, you know, going out <laughs> in the stores, being on the – it's hard on the bench uh, for sure being a coach because you want to try to, you know, sometimes you, you want to help the girls out while they're on the ice and, you know, you just can't project your voice through that mask very well. So um, that, that probably makes it the most difficult. And, and even coming back to the bench, you know, as you're coaching and you're talking and, you know, your heart rate's up, it, it definitely gets tough to breathe sometimes or, or get a good, um, uh, you know, breath in and, and get your words out effectively. But, you know, it, we're, we're 20 games in, 19 games in now at this point, And, you know, we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable with 
you know, what we needed to do to make sure that uh, that that continues. I was going to say, MJ, I was wearing my mask <clears throat> today in a non-mask situation just because I was out shoveling in minus three weather mm -hmm. and I didn't want to find my scarf. So I just mm -hmm. put my mask on. It kept my face nice and warm. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good idea because it uh, was cold out there today. Tony, uh, mm -hmm. this season, of course, we all know it's been a little difficult. Now, we're near the end of the season with the state tournament and everything. But during that week, you guys also have your girls' banquet. And mm -hmm. this year, of course, with the COVID regulations, you've mentioned that you guys are going to be doing it virtual. Uh, mm -hmm. Explain how that's kind of affecting things a little bit. Yeah, it's obviously a different uh, – it's not ideal. Um, you know, going to state, making it to state is such an honor and something these these players and coaches, you know, we work so hard for to try to get to these moments. And, you know, you want to try to keep the integrity of what the state tournament really means to, to everyone. And, you know, part of that is going to the banquet and being honored as a team uh, and having the all-state girls being honored for, for the great season that they had. So as a coaches association, we sat down and talked and tried to figure out how we can best, you know, try to keep it still, you know, something special for these kids. So Tuesday night uh, at 630, we're going to have our virtual banquet uh, for the All-State uh, awards, the All-State team or the teams that made it to state uh, where the coaches will be able to talk and, you know, celebrate their teams uh, and then go over the, the All-State awards, the Miss Hockey awards, the award and uh, the coach of the year award. Now, is like all 22 players from each team going to be on that Zoom? Is it going to be a 110-person Zoom call? or? I think so. We're running through Google Meet, and um, I think hopefully our plan is to kind of go in the our locker room. We have a pretty nice setup in Chippewa Falls uh, where we have can spread out in our locker room, and we'll pull it up on, on the screen so everybody can watch it at the same time. And so hopefully, the, you know, the teams that are making it to state will find a way to, to be able to do that. Um, but if not, then they'll be able, hopefully be able to jump on. And I think we should have enough capacity for, um, you know, the amount of people that are going to try to join. So they're catering in steak and lobster for all the teams so they can have the banquet? Yeah, I wish we could. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the whole eating around each other is a, a tough subject right now, especially, you know, this fall we had – uh, local team I think that got traced or had an outbreak on their team uh, because they were eating on the bus so it's it's anything that we can do to limit anytime the mask is coming down we, we try to do that but you know if we're going to end up eating or uh, you know after, if we're on a, a road trip we've had girls bring sandwiches and we just ask the, the whole school if we can send the bleachers before we get on the bus and um you know, try to spread out the best we can. So always trying to find ways to make the best of just the tough times it is. And, uh, you know, the girls have been really on board with it all season. Uh, and, it, you know, really started with the, our, you know, athletic departments at all three schools, really, you know, laying down some good uh, guidelines and helping us try to navigate through this and help us just kind of keep our feet on the ground and focus on coaching rather than all the stuff behind the scenes that has to do with COVID. So, um, for those of our fans who aren't aware, uh, mm -hmm. how does you guys are the third seed uh, this mm -hmm. year at the tournament? Uh, how does the this seeding meeting work on Sunday morning after the finals have been played? So the seeding meeting started at nine this morning. We we get in there, and Tom Shafransky kind of gives his uh, spiel for the the seed meeting, uh, kind of how the you know what determining factors should be looked at when ranking the teams, and then we all four coaches get a chance to uh, state what seed they feel that they are deserving of. Um, and once all the coaches have a chance to talk about, you know, their team and what they feel they deserve, then uh, we submit votes via email uh, and then they tally the votes and the team. So you would vote and you can't vote for yourself. So you only really are voting for three teams at this point um, and, and where they should fall. And so once that happens, then we see, where the votes fall and you know who where everything lays lays out and uh you know that's and then 
once those votes come in, you know where you're at. If you don't like your spot, then you can try to appeal up and then you go through the process of, uh, of an appeal vote. Those are always fun. And when you have four teams uh, in the median and there's two people that are trying to appeal for a certain position and then there's only two other teams that can vote, you really can't break a tie. So um, you may want to bring a legal team with you. Yeah. So it's, uh, it makes it interesting. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the, the best way to go about it. Um, but, you know, at least we're trying to, you know, place teams in a, a spot where, you know, you award, you know, going through the playoffs, your regular season. And, you know, it, it definitely helps this, the state situation a little bit more. And usually on a, a, on a given year, it's not too big of a deal because we're in Madison and you're just really trying to get the, the last change for the most part, uh, you know, being the home team on the higher seed. But, uh, you know, this year it had a little bit more of an impact because those uh, two higher seeds got, got a home game for the state semifinal games. Yeah, there was okay. a, yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to do. Like, yeah, like you said, most years, especially two three, two three is mm-hmm. not a huge deal. It's just last change. Yep. One four yep. is more of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you know, this year, yeah, it's a home game for those teams, uh, except for Superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superior will be playing in Spooner, um, mm-hmm. their secondary home, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, th- yeah, it's it's tough. You know, when you think about this, Tony, you look at it. I mean, in each division, there's four teams left. In the girls' division, there's four teams mm-hmm. left. The difference between seed one and seed four, you would think at this point, probably isn't a whole lot, whole mm-hmm. lot different between the four at this point. No, no, there there really isn't. And when we were talking um, and trying to give our, you know, uh, you know, why we deserve a higher seed or or whatnot, you know, we all had really strong cases at this point. I mean, you know, you look at USM. I think. You know, coach was talking how they, I think they've won 15 games in a row or something like that, which, you know, is a, a really great feat in and of itself. And then you you look at us and, you know, we go through the hardest section, you know, at one point or when we finish the season, all our four conference teams in the BRC are all ranked in the top six coaches poll. And, um, you know, you had Western Wisconsin into that mix. You, you know, it's a, a tough section to go through. And then you look at section two where you had fox cities central wisconsin northland pines was playing good hockey uh so i mean it really you know a lot of a lot of teams had to play good hockey to get where they're at um you know eau claire playing wisconsin valley union into into overtime so you know once we got to this point you really have to try to look at head-to-head games uh as a determining factor and like opponents uh and 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 go from there so All right. I think okay. that's all the questions we've got for Tony tonight. Anything okay. else, MJ or Dell? No, I just want to wish Tony best of luck. Didn't really, really. I've never met you before, but I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed listening to you talk. And best of luck mm-hmm. against the storm. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I think thank you so much for all you guys do to cover cover hockey, cover girls hockey around the state. I know a lot of people definitely go through your website and. Uh, find all the articles that you guys pull from local newspapers, whatever it might be, your guys' own articles. Uh, it's, it's a really great thing and great thing for, for high school hockey in Wisconsin. Well, congratulations, okay. Coach. Uh, hopefully next year we'll be back in the rinks and be able to see you guys a little mm-hmm. more often. Good luck awesome. this week. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank okay. you. All right, Tony Menard. Talking about his... Uh, Chippewa Falls Menominee Sabres in the state tournament, taking on the Central Wisconsin Storm. All right, now let's talk about the state tournament. Yep. Uh, we'll start with Division Two in the boys. Uh, Fond du Lac Springs, St. Mary Springs, I call them, because that's their actual name, but we keep asking their coaches, hey, can we rename you on the site? And they keep saying, no, leave it how it is. Uh, St. Mary Springs takes on Somerset, the one and the four, and then Superior and Lakeland, the two and three. Um, Springs returned just about their whole team that won the state championship last year, and then 
Uh, Somerset is back from last year. They lost uh, their best player, Bodie Smith. He graduated, uh, but they brought back A.J. Simpkin, Simpkins and the other kid who I really like, whose name I just suddenly forgot. That, that uh, Somerset... Antonio uh, Gomez. That Somerset Ram game to be able to get, for Somerset to advance to the uh, state semis, that was a heck of a game. Uh, final two to one, uh, and how many shots were in there? There was close to eighty shots between that the two goalies faced. Yeah. Uh, between the two goalies, it was very close to eighty shots. I think it was. If I can see how exactly how many it was, it was seventy six shots were taken in that game. Three goals were scored. Uh, Caleb wow. Bentz for Somerset stopped thirty four of thirty five for a nine seventy one save percentage, and Alex Erickson of Ram stopped thirty nine of forty one for a nine fifty one save percentage. So uh, the bullies stood on their heads in that one. Listening to the announcers, it, it, the game winning goal by Somerset was heartbreaking, and er- Erickson uh, really took took it hard on the ice after the goal went in. Uh, but at that point, you facing that many shots and everything else, you know, that's a heck of a game. And either team that lost it, you know, you know, it's going to be a tough loss. Mm, yep. So last year, don't. last year in the opening round, Somerset faced Pines, and Rice Lake played Fond du Lac. I believe that's the way it went. Um, so this year, Somerset gets their Somerset gets their shot at, at Springs, and then on the bottom, Lakeland and Superior get to play. Uh, that was the only seed that I got wrong in my predictions. I had Lakeland at two and Superior at three. Um, someone on Twitter asked me why Superior instead of Lakeland, and I said that those two teams were basically a toss-up. They played the fewest games of the four teams in the tournament. Somerset's played 23, Springs got in all 24 regular season games, Superior had 12, and Lakeland had 14. Uh, They have only one common opponent, Amory, who they both beat by three. Um, So at that point, Superior and Lakeland is a toss-up, and at that point, if it's a toss-up, you go with tradition when you're voting. So Superior is the two, and Lakeland is the three. Um, That should be a, a heck of a game, but like, there's so little to go off of. There's no common opponents. Uh, obviously Somerset and Springs, we saw them at the tournament last year. We know what they're about for the most part. Lakeland and Superior, that's a tough one. Lakeland is, I know they're a very talented team, but I also know they take a lot of penalties. Superior likes to fall behind two to nothing and then come back to win uh, because they did that both against New Richmond and Rice Lake. So, I mean, if we're going to predict it, I'm going to predict that Lakeland is going to jump out to a two nothing lead and then somehow Superior is going to come back and tie it and probably win on a power play. Well, wow. I know that I know that when we were looking at sectional two, we were saying that any of those fo- top four teams had a chance to come out of there. And uh, Rhinelander, you know, ended up finishing the season sweep over Northland Pines to make it to that sectional final game. Lakeland knocked off Mosinee, and then Lakeland comes up with a nice win to ma- make it to the state semis. Yeah, and for Lakeland's part, Mosinee was a team they had lost to twice. Um, so that shows growth on their part to get past Mosinee. Uh, Rhinelander, I believe they had beaten in their previous meetings. Uh, I would have to go, or they only met, met them once. Um, I'd have to go back and look. But yeah, that was a, that was a good game. Um, one of the athletic directors among those four teams told me that yeah, Lakeland is the most talented of those four teams, but they also take a lot of penalties, and it hurts them. So um, they'll will you know they'll have to watch out for that uh, in Spooner. I want to say in I wanted to say in Madison, then I wanted to say in Superior, but those are both wrong. It's in Spooner. <laughs> With that style of play, I agree, Junior. That's going to be that might be a knockdown dragout between Lakeland and Superior this year. Now, Superior I'm plays not... that tougher. I'm sorry, Del. Um, Superior plays that tougher schedule up there, up in the uh, up there in the Minnesota, and you know if Lakeland is what this this person said then yeah these two teams are going to knock heads pretty good now on the other side of the bracket we've got springs and somerset uh springs you know has been the division two runaway number one all year long defending state champs and you know, somerset i believe they were the number two seed in in their sectional um and came out of there with the win uh hayden rising 
Now you got you've gotten to see him a few times this year, um, watching the video and everything. Talk talk about him a little bit. He's never as big as I expect him to be. Uh, generally speaking, for goalies that have that those kind of numbers, they're generally bigger. Although um, that's not always true at the high school level. Um, he's not as big as I expected him to be, but uh, his biggest skill is that he's always where he's supposed to be. Uh, you watch them, you watch them play, and he's always where he's supposed to be, and that's ninety percent of goaltending is being where you're supposed to be. Um, when you see, not always the case, but when you see guys f- flopping around and making wild saves, it's generally because they ended up out of position. Um, he follows the puck incredibly well and moves across the crease incredibly well. Um, you know, he came in as a freshman last year and put up big numbers. Um, and I'd like to say it's because he has to practice with, with Brady Welsh and Noah Pickert, who are just ridiculously fast. But he's a fresh, he's a sophomore this year, and they're a senior. So he did not play with them in youth hockey. He was in the group behind them. Um, so the, their speed did not contribute to him following the puck that well. But I think that's his biggest strength. He follows the puck incredibly well, and he moves very well. Um, you know, when it comes to like how quick a goalie is making saves and stuff. That's not something I, I can usually see that in the rink in the rink. I'm pretty good at scouting a goalie, but on video, I'm not, I can't tell that. Um, and on the other end, Caleb Benz is also a really good goalie. I believe he was first team all conference in the middle border conference for Somerset. Um, very good season. He had a very good season last year for Somerset. Um, they don't, they don't have a high powered offense. Um, Regis, I mean, you saw just, you know, in the semifinal, um, was that like a seven, six game against Baldwin Woodville? Um, you know, Somerset only cracked them twice. Somerset does not have a huge high powered offense. Their leading scorer had 38 points, second leading at 30. Um, so, you know, they, 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 they need that goalie to be there. And Caleb Bentz, um, he was there for them all year. He had nine, uh, 16 on the state on the year with four shutouts. So he had a, he had a nice season. I, I was, I Somerset first time I got to see him was of course was, uh, in their semifinal game here. And I, I was impressed with the team and, and, uh, to me, it seemed their team was able to get back on defense and not allow, you know, easy shots on the goalie, which is what you're, you know, as a coach, you're always hoping your team, you know, is getting back there for. And we know that, you know, Springs is great at uh, keeping their opponents pressured and the shots coming from the outside. And I, it's – everybody talks about how fast Brady Welsh is, and he is fast. Noah Pickert might be the fastest high school hockey player in Wisconsin I have ever seen. Um he, I mean, he, he they didn't even finish with anything, but he made a couple rushes up against the ice in Oregon in the sectional final where, like, he grabbed the puck down, you know, by the net, and he was in their zone in no time. It's ridiculous. Um, he is just blazing fast. Um, and the, when you have that kind of speed and production from the blue line, it, it does a lot. And, you know, we've said, you know, they're the defending D2 state champions, you know they they played last year's defending D1 state champions and beat them. Uh, they beat USM, who is the currently you know the number one seed in the D1 bracket um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know avenging their I believe it's their only loss on the season. They might have another one in there. Um, so you know they're they're very good. They're they are graduating. Eight of a their, lot. seven of their nine top leading scorers, you know, they're graduating like the, you know, you know, before everybody complains about you know private school division two, blah blah blah, they're graduating like everybody. <laughs> um, so you know, next year they might still be a very good team. All their underclassmen who aren't seeing ice time right now because their upperclassmen are just insanely good might all be great too. But they're graduating a lot of players, like all yep. their top scoring. Yeah, but you remember Brady Welsh when they first time they came to state, he was a freshman. They made it his freshman year. So, you know, they didn't make it sophomore year, but junior year they went it all and, you know, another crack at it in senior year. So you knew this was gonna be a good group coming up for a couple of years. Yep, and I believe his freshman year they made it to the title game back in the old 
single division state tournament. So I believe they made it to the championship game before they lost in 2018. Or, yeah. So who you got? I'm... It's hard not to. It's hard to go against Final Lake Springs. It, it it just is. I mean, they're the they're the you know they're the top dog. Until somebody beats them, they're going to be the top dog. And I, um, they're good at all three facets of the game. Um, yes, I got to see them once this year, and I came away like, wow, that was something. But uh, yeah, if they play like when I did get a chance to see them. Um, they're going to be pretty good, and they're going to, you know, they'll probably be playing on Saturday. Well, I think Superior ends up winning against uh, Lakeland and then Bondi Springs in theirs, and then I think it's Springs uh, coming home with his back-to-back titles. I honestly have no idea who who to pick between Superior and Lakeland. I, I don't. Um I like Superior's goalie, Jamin Durfee. I think he's a very good goalie. His numbers on the season don't look great, but, I mean, he had to play Hermantown in Duluth East, and that is going to factor into your numbers when you're playing Hermantown, who is usually ranked number one in Minnesota's lower division, and Duluth East, who is usually in the top ten in their upper division. I haven't looked at Minnesota's rankings this year since they, they really just started playing. Um, so the, I mean, his number is a little skewed, and Superior got blowed up by Eau Claire North in their first game of the season when North already had like 13 games under their belt. So it's kind of hard to to look at their numbers that way. But I like I like Jamin Durfee, their goalie. Um, scoring Superior, they 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 claw back and they're scrappy. On the other hand, Lakeland has Max Toyjala, a team Wisconsin player who every time he scores a point, he is setting a new record for Lakeland High School. Um, he is their all-time leading point scorer, and he's been doing it for a while. Um, and they've got, you know, he wasn't the one doing all the scoring against Rhinelander. Um, you know, they were getting contributions from everywhere. He had 35 points on the season, but Joe Beta had 32. Um, another guy with 26, another guy with 15. Their goalie uh, had a 9.16 on the season. So, you know, they're, they're also looking pretty good, and their goalie's only a sophomore, so, um, we should see them again in the in the future. Uh, their goalie had 42 saves in their five to one win over Rhinelander in the sectional final. Um, so that's legit. So like I have I have no idea what's going to happen between Superior and Lakeland. Um, that said, I can't pick against Springs to win it all. They won it all last year and they did they they made it look pedestrian in the process and they didn't lose anything that would make me think that's going to change. On to the girls. Uh, Eau Claire area, number one, originally from Section 1, newly of Section 3. Uh, USM Wildcats are number four at the bottom side of the bracket. Uh, in the middle of the bracket, the Storm, number two, and the CFM Sabres, who we just talked to their coach, at number three. So, we know who you got. What do you see, Dell? These are your teams. Well, you know, you look at that yeah, first game, let's, you know, it's going to be Chippewa Falls, uh, Menominee against the Storm. And as we said, you know, they played late December, but as, you know, you pointed out, that was a 16-game layoff. And I I watched that game yesterday. Actually, I, ha- I watched both games uh, yesterday. Uh, had them both up on the screen at the same time. And the game against this, the storm against the stars, I kept looking for the stars to make that comeback, but you know, the storm did what, you know, we've always seen the storm do, do they packed in on that defensive zone and, and, you know, just played great and, and came out with a win. And as coach Menard pointed out, you know, and you asked him, you know, is why more teams don't, do what they can to tie down that uh, top skater. And Zillish ha- had a lot of sh- plays, but Chloe Lemke j- just had a heck of a game yesterday. 
And, you know, I think it's going to be a very tight game. And it, I think this, the way the Storm are playing, you know, the, I had them pick this, you know, when I made my predictions as being the number one seed here. And, and they ended up as the number two. And then Eau Claire uh, stars in the second game, you know, I can't argue with him getting the number one seed. Uh, it, it They're going to be a tough team. And USM, while, you know, they're a very good team, uh, nice win streak. I'm looking at, at it being a star storm advancing in this to the play on Saturday. And I think you're going to have a, a – coin flip as to who's going to come out of that one and I, I, just, I honestly don't know know who to pick for the championship on that one and I, th- I think I'm actually going to lean, lean towards the storm in that. If you'd have asked me three weeks ago between the ECA stars and USM I'd have said ECA in a walk um, now after watching their two games because I also watched I watched both of ECA's playoff games and um, I watched part of both of USM's playoff games. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not so confident in it. Um, ECA, based on what they've done this season, shouldn't have played as tight a games as they played against Black River Falls and Wisconsin Valley Union. Um, based on everything you saw from all of those teams this season, those games should not have been as close as they were. And USM ended their season, you know, we, we talked, you know, the surprise of the Storm beating the Fox City Stars after losing to them 5-1 to one last time, um, coming back and winning 5-1 to one this time. USM ended their season with a 2 to nothing win over the Fox City Stars. Um, I believe Michaela Zillish is the best girls hockey player in the state of Wisconsin. And both of those teams managed to shut her down and win their games. And... Because of that and the way the ECA Stars played their two playoff games, and I don't—I mean no disrespect to the Wisconsin Valley Union uh, or Black River Falls. The Union especially. Uh, they're a very good under-the-radar team. Dan Bauer is doing a great job. Um, but I, I think USM can. Uh, they are certainly capable of eating the ECA Stars in that first game. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with the way ECA is playing right now. They're winning. And they should be winning, but if if they were still in Section One, I don't know that they would be in the state tournament right now. I don't think they played that well in the playoffs. But um, that USM game against Arrowhead, I mean, that was a team that was down uh, two to nothing, came back and made it two to one on a power play goal. Uh, the second goal that Arrowhead had scored was a shorthanded goal. Um, tied it up late in the third period uh, and then ended up having to go into the third overtime period and ended up with the win. And I go, that comes down to, you know, tenacity on their part to fight back from the two goal deficit uh, and force it into the overtime. And then, you know, both teams had their chances in overtime. And isn't that the one? That you and I were watching, Junior. That I thought that the goal that the T- USM was going to put it away earlier, and the goalie made a heck of a save. And yes, then, um, it was, like it two was, in a row. It was a breakaway, I believe, and she, yeah, she stopped it. And then the last goal that USM got was on a turnover. Arrowhead uh, made a turnover in the offensive zone, and a uh, girl was able to walk. I posted the video of it on our Twitter, but is able to walk in all alone. And that's that's never good. Um, but I haven't gotten to see uh, the ECA Stars play play this year. Uh, Chippewa this weekend was the fir- first time I got to see them play. But, I mean, a fusion team that, you know, battled back all year long and, they, you know, they split during the season. And, you know, they actually controlled that game. I mean, it was down to a one-goal lead a couple different times. But, you know, they, they – played very well and won that game and and no doubt deserved that win and honestly i think if any you can make a case for any of the four teams i think to win win it all 
in this. And one. you know, just to be clear, my my issue with the ECA stars isn't like their effort or anything like that. I think they're 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 playing really well. They have problems putting the puck in the net. Um, against Black River Falls, they took fifty two shots and scored three goals. Um, that's, I mean, yes. Um, uh, Sydney Magnuson is a very good goalie, but 52 shots and three goals is not a great shooting percentage. Um, against uh, the Union, <clears throat> it was it was not quite so. Ha- it was uh, 35 shots, but still, I don't know. They just I don't, I don't like their scoring. Um, I still, you know, the, so that game for me is a toss up. On the other end, Chippewa Falls really handed it to the Storm last time they played, but like we said, they had a 16 day layoff, so that's hard to say. That's like. Like I, th- I, I completely ignore you know Superior's first game of the season. They lost seven to one to Eau Claire North, but it was Superior's first game of the season, and Eau Claire Memorial or North had already played like a dozen games. So that like that's not gonna, you know that's well, that doesn't count. On the Storm side, I, they have uh, Maddox Federici, who's a defenseman, and she has a heck of a game. And S- Samantha Federici's a forward on that team, and uh, Samantha. Listening to that game yesterday, the announcers, and watching it, uh, it's still hard to see on the video, you know, a lot of what's going on down in front of the net and everything else. But Samantha seems to be right there and tipping pucks, you know, and battling there. Uh, but then when you look at Chippewa Falls, you got Sidney Polzine, um, who's right there, you know, and getting votes as, you know, one of the top players in the state of the forwards and everything. And so, you know, both teams have their players. And it, I, I'm expecting two good semifinal games. I'm, ju- I'm just sorry I'm not going to be able to see them because I'm going to be on the road. Who's your champion? <sighs> I think I'm going with the Storm. I am going with the Sabres. MJ? <laughs> you know what? I... I haven't got to watch a whole lot of girls hockey this year, to be perfectly honest with you. So my thing, I'll just throw it out the window because I couldn't really tell you. Um, but if I had to guess one, just listening to you guys, I would, uh, I would say the state champion is going to be between the Sabres and the Storm. Well, they're the, they're in the first game so one of those teams whoever wins the the two to three matchup is going to win state that's your your prediction i haven't seen anything all year i'm gonna guess okay it's what you guys took yep that's true i would be remiss (laughs) i would be i would be i would be remiss if i didn't point out that alicia smith has a 947 save percentage on the regular season good uh for the for ECA, uh, nine thirty eight if you factor in the playoffs. So uh, she's probably stats wise the best goalie in the field. Um, so they've got that going for them. I think all three of these games, they're all, all three. Yeah, all three the the two semifinals in the championship game. I don't think anybody's going to score five goals um, in the field. I don't think anybody scores five goals in a game. Uh, okay. You're going to see some four threes, some three twos, two ones. Um, we're not going to be in danger of a, a running time state tournament game, which none of us like to see. No. All right. D1. D1. The thing MJ's here for. D1. Boy. <laughs> um, At the top, for... USM number one against four Verona. And then uh, second game is number two Hudson and number three Notre Dame Academy. Uh, this one was very easy for me to seed when I was looking at the predictions. Uh, USM beat Hudson, Hudson beat Notre Dame, and uh, Verona was twelve and six. So one, two, three, let me, four. Let me let me tell you something about Verona. They've been under the radar all year. Well, that's to... because they didn't start until January fifth. Well, even then they're Waha. They're playing Waha hockey, but I'll tell you what, they've still got the pieces there to win it all, and they they've. You know, you got that twelve and six record. Don't don't let that fool you. They got all the pieces, and they have the main piece. They got goaltending. They got uh, Caden Grant. That young man can shut down about any team, and he's played a very solid season again this year. And our goalie of the year, I'm sure he's going to gather a lot of votes. 
But uh, I, re- I really like him. And uh, Verona, so they're a number four seed, but don't let him kid you. Well, I mean, once you're in the D1 state tournament, now that there's just the four divisions and anything, there's not there's not a Patsy division anymore. Uh, not that there has been the last few years in the, the old single division format, but there's not a, a Patsy division anymore. So um, every team that's going to get to the, the D1 state tournament is going to be legit uh, from here on out, I think. Well, um, especially at the semifinal level. Yeah, so, you know, we're not, we're not saying anything bad. Uh, I will say that... Um, I watched Verona's game against Wanaki. I think Verona has a couple issues with discipline that they need to deal with. Um, it's not often that you see a team take a five-minute major penalty and still be on the power play when the next puck drops. And that's what <laughs> happened for Wanaki. One of their guys got a boarding penalty, and Verona took two stupid roughing penalties uh, on the after the play ended so that Wanaki, despite getting a major, ended up on a four-on-three power play for the next two minutes. Um I mean, I, I, I understand when there's a boarding pe- play and it looks like a guy might get hurt. He he, he wasn't. He got up. He was okay. Uh, that you want to go in and defend your guy, but you can't take two penalties in that situation in a playoff game. You can't do that. And, you know, the, that's that's not unusual. I mean, it's the we've, we've seen that from Barona in the recent memory with, you know, this group coming through the years they take penalties that they shouldn't um and you know we would like to not see that and we saw you know usm against kmmo all the goals in that sectional final were scored on the power play um usm has ethan mann who is a badgers commit they have uh, ls they have Iqbali. they have guys who can put the puck in you if you put the puck in on you obviously they just beat hudson uh, who looked invincible so Verona, you can kind of take those penalties when Caden Grant is in your net, ready to bail you out, but you don't want to. Uh, you need to no, stay. You don't want to go to. You don't want to go to that well too often, Mo. Well, no, and, and, and it's something we've seen in the state tournament many times, where teams that should be evenly matched end up not being because one of them takes too many penalties. And well, look at the championship game last year in D one. I mean, how many penalties did Verona take, put Notre Dame on the power play? Notre Dame had a very good power play, and, you know, they got stuffed with Caden Grant there. Yeah, Caden, I mean, but it's it's hard to rely on your goalie like that. Yeah, all the time. yeah. Um, and well, I think, well, to Verona's credit, part of the the reason they take as many penalties as they do, they it's the same reason Chippewa Falls takes a lot of penalties. They play an up-tempo hockey game. They're not, they're not content to let the puck come back to them. They're going to the puck all the time, and they're attacking. Um, and it's fun to watch, but when you play that way, you take penalties. Uh, that's, there was the penalty fest for Verona and Wanaki because both teams played that way. Both teams were playing up-tempo and aggressive, and when you play that way, there's going to be penalties. Um, Notre Dame does not play an up-tempo, aggressive hockey game. Um, they let plays unfold. They let things build. Um, USM does not play particularly up, up-tempo, aggressive hockey games. They let things unfold and build. So does Hudson. Verona is easily on the puck the most aggressive team in the field, um, which is both, it's a double-edged sword. It means that they can get out on you quick, and they can pile goals on you quick. They can surprise you, um, but it also means that there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be turnovers, and what helps them and what helps Chippewa Falls in general is that they have backstops. Uh, who can who can deal with those turnovers when you make them? Now in that game yesterday between USM and KMMO, there were a total of twelve penalties called in that game. Each team ended up with a five-minute major, and you know oh, and otherwise it's totally been... up today. Huh? And uh, to total up all the major penalties that have been called in the tournament so far today. Um, and it, actually, uh, one of those uh, major penalties was a slashing major. Um, down behind the KMMO net, and the other one was a boarding major, which you know we t- discussed a little bit yesterday when it happened. Uh, there was the retaliation from the one team, and then the other player from the team got called for misconduct on it. So, but there was, you know, that's another one. And actually, the gentleman that was calling the game doing the announcing of it, which it was the USM athletic director and Cal Roadhouse were uh, doing the announcing and they, they were 
both still saying, you know, USM needs to be stay out of the penalty box if they wanted to do advance on to state and everything. And, you know, you know, pointing out exactly what you you are, Junior, about Verona, and that was one of the things that was being pointed out in this game yesterday. But as you said, three goals scored in this game. Um, all three were on the power play, and uh, Peter Ells, I I watched him in that game yesterday. And he's got some speed going down the side, cutting through uh, players, you know, for the loose puck and everything. Um, but KMMO, I, I would be neglecting if I didn't uh, mention uh, DeSantos uh, playing in that game. He heard his name quite often. And, you know, he, he put a lot of pressure on USM. And Jack Schroeder had a heck of a game. He had uh, 25 saves on 26 shots. Uh, so and I've watched multiple games from all of these teams now this year. And I will say this for Verona. Um, they have a killer instinct that the other three teams don't have in the same way. Um, Verona is like a shark. When they spell blood in the water, they will go at you. Uh, they did it to Wanaki. Uh, it was busy, basically a big second period that did Wanaki in. Uh, Wanaki had to kill off a bunch of power plays in the middle part of the second period, and they did it. Um, but by the end of the period, they were drained because they had to kill off so many, so many Verona power plays. And when that happened, Verona just pounced on them, um, and they have they have a killer instinct. The other three teams are all st- steady. Verona is aggressive. Verona also has a shutdown defenseman by the name of Nathan Jerns, and he's as good as any in the state. That's somebody well, I, to watch. I think all four of these teams, uh, I haven't started actually tabulating the votes. The coaches are sending the votes in for our Davis Drewiski Award. Um, I would not be surprised if all four of these teams have a finalist. Um, no, that's true. It's, you know, Nathan Jurens, Michael McEntee, um Max Giblin. Um, Max Max Giblin, uh, besides being a shutdown defenseman for Hudson, Hudson is also a prolific scorer uh, when they need him to be. Um, USM, I can't remember all their players off the top of my head, uh, but yeah. Well, I know when you, you got to take off, MJ. Uh, I got about five more minutes. Okay, uh, I've um, been extended. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, we have Notre Dame against Hudson. I believe they, they played earlier this year, Junior? They did. Uh, noted, uh, Hudson won that game handily. Um, and it was kind of like, uh, you remember what Rob Radovich was talking about last week. The first time Hudson and Eau Claire Memorial played, everything Hudson did was perfect. Every tape was pass to pass. Um, Eau Claire Memorial had no answer for them. The second time Eau Claire Memorial and Hudson played, uh, Hudson was not quite as perfect, um, and Eau Claire Memorial made a game of it. The Hudson-Notre Dame game was one of those games where Hudson was perfect. And expecting that out of high school kids is unrealistic. Um, so I would not expect another, I believe it was like 6-1, to one repeat of what they had last time. I think Notre Dame was missing one of their top players in that game, but um, just like you were saying, though, I did watch that whole game, um, Hudson and Notre Dame, and it was Hudson was just perfect. You're right. They're perfect in that game, and it's so hard to play a perfect game like that, but on that day they did, and, uh, you know, they're going to have their hands full more this time. That's the game that, in, until the end of the season when they lost to, to USM and Edgewood, that's the game that cemented Hudson as the number one team in the state in our rankings for Absolutely. that period. Because Hudson outshot Notre Dame Academy, who was, the, I believe, the previous number one at the time, 32-14. to 14. Um, Nobody in the last eight years has outshot Notre Dame Academy 32-14. to 14. Um, So to expect that again... I don't think you can look at that game as as a factor in in the game they're going to play on Thursday. Oh, these those two coaches know it's going to be totally different. Who I do got you got, MJ? Oh man, I'm going to take Hudson because only because they're at home. What I got to see last night of a Notre Dame Academy 
boy, they really moved the puck well on the power play. My goodness. But, uh, you know, I really think that may be the only difference in this one. Both these teams are are very good. You know, they, they're good at all three facets of the game. And I just think that Hudson, maybe being at home, having uh, Notre Dame have to make the long trip across state on a weeknight, that uh, that may be just enough to get them over the hump. Yeah, I've got to imagine that, like, Notre Dame is not going to school on Thursday. Like, they're not taking a half day and then riding the bus over to get off the bus and play. That can't, that can't, you can't possibly, you can't possibly let bus legs be a factor in this no. state semifinal. So I got to imagine they're not, they're not going to be in school at all on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I mean, Hudson was number one for so long. Um, and I think that I think those two losses made them realize that they're not invincible, which is, you know, like these are high school kids, you know, for the most part, they are technically children. Uh, they need to be reminded of that every now and then. And I think that they have been. And, um, I, I think, I think it'll be Hudson, but it's not going to be six to one, 32 to 14 in shots. Like it was the last two times these teams played. That's, that's not happening. It's going to be the one three to two, two to one. Four to three at the high end. The one other point I wanted to make when we were talking about Verona, I thought in their sectional, the only team who could really challenge them was Madison Edgewood. And they didn't get a chance because of the COVID situation. I thought that would be the one team that would match up well with them. But I that wasn't the case because. I mean, I thought that Sock Prairie and, and, and Wanaki actually played them pretty well. Um, I mean, I know that on the scoreboard it was four to one and five to two, but neither of those games was really that far apart. Uh, I think Wanaki was largely done in by. Um, and you've heard me say this before. I hate when teams play like a passive penalty kill, because as I've said many times tonight, these are high school kids. They're not perfect. So if you push them and you're aggressive on the penalty kill, you'll force them into mistakes. Uh, well, Wanaki did that, and they just ended up with them taking more penalties. Um, and I think that's really what did them in. It was the second period that did Wanaki in against Veronica, and in Verona, and then the second period, Wanaki took four penalties um, in pretty even succession, so that they were on penalty kills for like ten minutes, like or eight minutes, basically straight. Um, and that that really did them in. I think they played Verona very well. Sock Sock Prey played Verona very well. They just couldn't crack Caden Grant. Um, I would have loved to see Edgewood and 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 Verona, but there's no guarantee that Edgewood would have beat Wanaki. The the team that I the Wanaki that I saw play against Verona played better than you would have expected for whatever seed they actually were, a five seed. They didn't look like a five seed to me. Uh, maybe they looked like a five seed in in section one. Uh, they didn't look like a five seed in section three. Uh, they looked they looked really good, and I think part of their seed came from the fact that they also didn't start until January fifth. Before that, they were Waha, so people didn't know what to expect. Well, who do you got in the uh, USM Verona game? Um, based on their sexual sectional sexual sectional finals, sex, based on their <laughs> sectional finals. Uh, I would have actually taken Verona uh, because I just thought that I like the I like the, the way they play aggressive and that they're not like the other three teams in the tournament. I think they take more penalties than they probably should, but that comes from their aggression. Uh, but USM KMMO was when it comes to scoring, they're largely a one line team, and but USM still is a two to one game uh, where they needed two power play goals to crack them, um, and I. I so based on their sectional finals, I would have taken Verona, but based on their whole season worth of work, uh, I'm going to take USM. Uh, USM, they knocked off the invincible Hudson team. Uh, they beat Springs earlier in the year, even though Springs avenged that loss later. Uh, they're a very solid team up and down. They're, they they bend at, at worst against USM. You will make them bend, but you will never make them break. Um, I just think, I think there's more vulnerabilities in Verona's game than there are in USM, so I'm going to take USM. 
I'm going to take Verona just because goaltending. And that's nothing against the goaltender for USM, but I think that Caden Grant is just playing at this high level right now. Well, he is and, team Wisconsin's goalie. I mean, well, he's team Wisconsin goalie, but he's also got a good defenseman in front of him. He's got a good D crew all together in front of him. So you're going to get limited on the number of grade A chances you're going to get. So I'm going to say that I'm guessing I'm guessing Verona in this one on the road. I'm going to go USM, but I think it's going to be a one-goal game. And I think it's going to be a USM-Hudson state final. And I actually think Hudson's going to avenge that 5-1 to one loss that USM put on him at the end of the regular season. I think if Hudson and USM meet in the final, Hudson is going to throw some checks early in the game to remind USM that they beat them 5-1 to one, uh, and that they're coming for them. Um, but I also think it's going to be Hudson and USM in the final. And uh, despite their the two losses they took at the end of the season against USM and Edgewood, I, I think Hudson is the best team in the state. Um, they just we'll have find to... out soon enough. Yeah, we will, because this is all academic and meaningless. Who cares what we think? That's why they play the games. Um, We're just bulletin board material. We are bulletin board material. <laughs> the, that the, basically that means that I just inspired the Eau Claire area stars to score like ten goals. <laughs> Way to go! Because I think they are an excellent hockey team that can't put the puck in the net uh, with enough consistency. Yeah. All right, you got my my ten cents worth tonight. Um, I just want to say you know we all know this was a rough year, and you know I I honestly I, I feel bad for the three teams that their season came to an end in the playoffs due to COVID and, and stuff. You know, you, you didn't even get to lose it on the ice. And, you know, sorry to hear that. Uh, good luck to all 12 teams uh, that are still playing. And I hope you guys have a great state tournament. Yeah. I also, you know, for the, for the three teams that had to drop out of the playoffs, Wapon, Sun Prairie and Edgewood, that's, that's brutal. Um, that is that is just that's brutal. Um, that I'm not gonna say it's better or worse than the the teams that didn't get to play WIA hockey at all. But to actually you know be allowed to play, your season has started, you get into the playoffs, and then all of a sudden you're done. That's just that's tough. Um, so yeah, I do I do feel for all those kids, especially the seniors on those teams. Um, you know. I mean, who knows what what, what could have happened? Um, you know, I would have liked to see Wapon's goalie, uh, Tyler Frummels, I believe, put up like sixty saves in a game because his numbers on the season are ridiculous uh, for a team that did not have a lot of success. Um, you know, I was looking at it earlier in the year after they got eliminated. Do, does anybody remember Bryce Kamenek, Eau Claire yep. North? Everybody yep. loved Bryce Kamenek from Eau Claire North because he took he faced just a ridiculous amount of shots. Um, the Wapan goalie faced as many shots this season as Bryce Kamenek did in his busiest season with a better save percentage and a much lower goals against average. Um, I would have liked to see him play a, a playoff game or two. Um, that's it for me, guys. I got to run. Yep, that's it for everybody. You can sign us out. Okay. Good luck to all the teams. When are we going to talk again? When are we going to do another show? Next Sunday. Next Sunday, after it's all said and done? Sure. Okay. Good enough. You've been listening to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.